Hey y'all, welcome to Sex Ed For You, the podcast where research meets reality. I am Lauren, a certified holistic sexuality educator. And I'm Holland, and I have a Bachelor of Science in Public Health. Sex Ed For You's podcast is for people who want to date and have great sex that is fun and safe and enjoyable. We like to empower our listeners to make informed decisions that lead to values-based living. In this episode, we talk about all things vulvas, from vaginismus to pelvic floor PT to learning to love and adore your vulva. We also delve into empowering holistic practices that help embrace the beauty of one's own body. Remember to check the show notes for all the resources that we mention. Um, cheers. Hi. Hi. Hello. Welcome back. I'm going to edit a little clink in there. Clink. <laughs> Clink. Um, we've just had quite the work day. Mm-hmm. All day long. Y'all, it's really cool building a business with someone as smart as Holland. Highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend. But yeah, boy, lots of lots of nerdy business stuff today. Yeah. yeah. Which you have so much skill with, too. God, it's such a gift. You're going to blow my ego up so big that oh, I'm not so going to fit in this room anymore. She wrote a whole email to somebody and then showed it to me and I was like, that's beautiful. <laughs> it wasn't beautiful. even that beautiful. No, it was just succinct and good and clear. Listen, that's all we need in this world. Um, yeah. Thanks for You're all welcome. you do. Thanks for editing this podcast. We're here for another episode. Yay. I thought, and you tell me if this feels good in your body, that we could talk about... Um, <laughs> this is a very fancy word. Biopsychosocial elements of sexual functioning. Mm-hmm. How, as sex educators, potential sex therapists, how we work with folks and the roles that other professionals still play in their in their lives. Yeah. Right. And that there are so many elements at play in our sexual functioning, our sexual flourishing, our sexual healing. And at times, it's really nice to have a whole care team, like a whole buddy system. And as a sex educator, I work as like a triad so often, like so often my clients are coming from a referral source. They're already in therapy. They're already in pelvic floor work. They're already working with their midwife or OBGYN post childbirth. Or the thing that has come up a ton recently is vaginismus or dyspareunia. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering if we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. I think first thing we should do going into this topic is define biopsychosocial mm. for those of us that are not Latin rooted. Um, <laughs> so I'll break why. it down. You break it down. Break it down now, y'all. When I first heard this term, I was like, this is a great term. Um, so the bio part of biopsychosocial stands for biology, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be pertaining to the body. The body. Uh, psycho is going to pertain to what you would think of psychotherapy. It's going to be your head, kind of like mental game. And then social your social interactions, your life relations, yeah. how it affects your everyday life. So biopsychosocial is going to mean that it's like a three-point approach toward, you know, you've got your brain, you've got your body, and you've got the way it affects your life. Fuck. So sexy. <laughs> when you know you're a nerd and you're doing the right thing. Yeah, so in sex ed school, we spent a lot of time working on those types of things Mm -hmm. because as a holistic sexuality educator, it's important to me that we look at all of those aspects. Mm -hmm. We can't just extract it, right? Some of my clients will come in some days and they'll just cry because it's been a really hard work and they'll say, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to like unload all of that on you. And I'll say, oh, but that was so important. Mm -hmm. So often when we are healing the sexual self, 
other things, right? Our context, we start to change and grow and evolve. And so then friendships start to shift. Our relationships with our partners, that would be the social part, right? Mm -hmm. Starts to shift and evolve. Or we are doing a lot of vulva work, right? Mm -hmm. Or genital love. And so then all of a sudden we are dealing with the bio part. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, well, wouldn't you know it, it really starts to play in with the psycho part, our mental understanding of or aversion to our own bodies. Mm -hmm. So those three are always interconnected in the work that I do as a sex educator, and they all are important, all of them. Equally, yeah. At all times. It's a triangle, not a podium. No. Yeah. It's like a rolling triangle. <laughs> like which is on top, which is most important. And I think you know, we talk about this so often that I'm a sex educator, not a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is such a beautiful interplay of when a therapist sends me a, get like a referral for yeah. a client too. Yeah. Because for those that don't know, in most LPC programs, in most like marriage and family programs, the average person who pursues counseling gets about nine hours as a therapist in sexual health and sexual functioning. That's not a lot of hours. No. Um and so I so just applaud every therapist out of there who is referring to a sex therapist or a sex educator to supplement the work they are doing with their client mm -hmm. because it just means so much. And in the same way, a pelvic floor physical therapist or an OBGYN or a midwife or a, a general practitioner, when a client comes in and says, I'm having pain with intercourse, that they're not just saying, okay, let's look at the physical, the bio. Yeah. Let's also understand of like what your background is mm -hmm. and maybe you should see a sex educator for some comprehensive sex ed it's so beautiful because it's the best yeah we <laughs> also do i think one of the coolest things i've seen us grow into is doing comprehensive sexuality education with therapists yeah. because that i think is just so like it gives the same energy as women supporting women mm -hmm. like we're just building each other up to be be able to cater to the people better. In my nonprofit work, we would always do this like teach one, reach one type mm -hmm. of thing that when we are helpers helping helpers, mm -hmm. right, then the impact, the collective impact just starts to ripple it out, is. right? Yeah. So when, yeah, when we get the opportunity and the honor to work one-on-one -on -one with therapists who want to more understand their own sexual biases or their own sexual hangups so that they, A, understand their own sexual values and are flourishing sexually, but then B, don't pass on any of their bullshit to all of their clients because yeah. we have, right, things inside of us that deserve to be worked through mm -hmm. and unintentionally we can totally pass them on absolutely mm -hmm. yeah so let's talk about uh, yeah discomfort with sex you know in my field we have started to stray away from vaginismus because it is often shocker overdiagnosed yeah um I, it's yet it's being used a lot out there so mm -hmm. in the in the world so yeah. I like to make sure that we still bring it up the more like umbrella term is dyspareunia which is yeah a pain with penetration it's more it's more inclusive term um you know we talk about here toss me the vulva where one is experiencing pain, right? Is it pain with initial insertion? If you're not watching the video, you should, because I have our favorite vulva puppet here. Um, 
it, you know, is it pain with initial penetration? Is it pain deeper in all these types of mm-hmm. things? It's all really good information to know. And sometimes people will just say to a doctor, for instance, I'm having pain with penetration. And they're mm-hmm. like, OK, well, then we'll get you some Botox or, oh, OK, we'll then order some dilators. Well, oh, OK, we'll send you to pelvic floor PT. Um, and there's just so many things. Feels very dismissive. It yeah. Does. It's like we're not curious enough yeah. when women tell us we're having or people with uteruses are telling us they're having painful intercourse. We are not curious mm-hmm. enough as a medical society in America. Not no. at all. Not at all. Um client yeah. So many clients will tell me that they were just diagnosed with vaginismus without like even any conversations, right? Maybe they went when they were really young to an initial gynecological appointment and the GYN said, Oh, you can't use tampon, oh you have vaginismus. And so then they Google vaginismus and are like horrified, which this is why we're talking biopsychosocial, the brain starts to get involved and the brain starts to get worried about these types of things. And so what does it do? It protects Mm -hmm. and it it reads fear Mm -hmm. and fear (laughs) makes our muscles tense. So then it just starts feeding itself. Because then you get, you can see a lot of people who are diagnosed with vaginismus get into a sexual encounter. And granted, while they very well may have vaginismus that is already in effect, that fear of the pain, the anticipation of the pain makes it worse than it actually could be if we actually taught these people with uteruses the biopsychosocial aspect of it rather than just saying, you have vaginismus. Sorry. Same thing. And I think we've talked about this before with you have a tilted uterus yeah. or you have a, it. It's like, it's so interesting because you and I were on the World Health Organization's website earlier today and they say that sexual health is fundamental to the well-being of individuals, families and communities. It goes on to say that a human being's access to quality information mm-hmm. is the thing that transforms their sexual well-being or dysfunction. And yes, right? Like just throwing a label at something does not, it's not actually helpful. No. No, it, <laughs> it provides like fear. Yes. Like it really truly does. I mean, you always say a label is helpful as, until it isn't. Right, right. Like if it truly, if it was, hey, I think we might be dealing with some some tightness with penetration, right? Have you heard of this? Here's some resources. What else can I do to support you? Right? I, I don't know. Just asking more questions. Mm. But the average care provider has seven minutes with a patient. So there's we're not set up for that type of success. No, we're really not. So that's why we have this podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> and y'all, seriously, let me, before we even go forward, there is so much great help out there. Yeah. We kind of mentioned some of these people on a recent podcast, but the, there's literally, Instagram is full now of pelvic floor amazing doctors who have the best videos. I am sure that TikTok is the same. And so many free resources, like really great free resources, webinars, stuff like that. Um, Stretches, lots Mm -hmm. of yoga poses, stuff like that. Um, You do not need to book sessions with Sex Ed for You. You do not need to fear. There's a lot of like good stuff out Mm -hmm. there. Intimate Rose has amazing products for stretching the vagina and working with things like that. And they start tiny, 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 tiny. Like Like smaller than your pinky. So small. Like so small. Um, And yeah, several clients are working with me and working with dilators. And we're doing super fun things. We're like naming the dilators. We're like endowing them with all this sexy like specialness. There's so much fun stuff you can do. You're not alone seek out resources i am sure there are public floor physical therapists in your area too mm-hmm. who are awesome but mm-hmm. we'll talk about our vantage point yeah and we actually did an interview with a pelvic floor pt that we are going to release pretty soon 
Oh, that's right. I forgot we had that in the vault. We do. She's awesome. It's the founder of Intimate Rose. It is. Yeah, teaser, y'all. Amanda's amazing. Dr. Olson was like, hey, there doesn't, what I have doesn't exist. Let's make these. She did. She built a company. She did. And it's been helping you heal yours. Yeah. Right. No, she makes like this pelvic wand. It's very cool. I should have brought it in. That's another (laughs) another podcast. I'd like to talk about from your vantage point, what what are some common causes of things Mm. like this? Yeah. Talk the psycho part for me for a second from your own vantage point, from your age range, from your lived experience. What you seeing out there? Gosh, I have so many anecdotes about quote unquote vaginismus or dyspareunia from myself and from my friends. Um, So many different anecdotes just because it's so commonly seen, dyspareunia Mm -hmm. is. Um, My own experience was that I had no idea that I had any problem. I just knew I was having some pain with intercourse and it was only in certain positions or certain times of the month. And I was just like, this is just really weird. And I would just kind of work through it. Then I had my first OB-GYN appointment. And um, if you've ever been to the OB-GYN, the first thing, one of the first things they do is they insert fingers in the vaginal um, area just to like, I don't know, feel around. Do you know why they do that? To, yeah, to check the yeah. vaginal walls and the strength or the lack of strength okay. in them. Yep. So she was doing that and she had started like put her fingers on my inner thigh and was like, okay, first my fingers are going to go on your inner thigh and then I'm going to put them inside you. Great. Great communication there. Um, and when she put her fingers inside me, she was like, you can relax. And I was like, what do you mean? I am so chill right now. I am the chillest I've ever been. There is no problems. I am relaxed. And she was like, okay, I want you to relax this specific muscle. And that was when I realized that I had been struggling with dyspareunia because I subconsciously squeezed this specific muscle in my inner thighs because of past trauma. Yep. So that was my experience with it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. And mm-hmm. I mean, little did I know, I just was subconsciously doing yeah. that. So for me, that was a very psycho part. Yeah. Not psycho as in like the insult, but psycho mm-hmm. as in mind <laughs> related mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting. What's so cool about that? And literally, I was doing this in a class with a Pilates instructor yesterday. Um, I couldn't connect. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that something, right? And we yep. often do this in exercise, right? If you've ever like did a workout class or worked with a new trainer or something and they tell you to do something and you're like, I literally can't make my yep. bicep do that, right? Yep. But you can. You can. You just have to find the right cues. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yesterday in a Pilates thing, she said something and she said just the right thing and I was able to fire something. Yeah. And I went, oh, I just created a new neural pathway, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You created a new neural pathway. You literally didn't have yeah. That new that neural pathway. Yeah. I needed but, someone to point it out to me. I needed someone to literally touch it and say, right here, release. Yeah. And I did. And you I did. Never had been able to do that before. Isn't that phenomenal? It's so crazy. No. It was beautiful. So I would even say that was more than psycho. I think it was like a biosocial psycho, right? Yeah. Like she was connecting the anatomy to your brain, yeah. which is super cool because, yes, the brain connection was from stored past trauma, yeah. which is amazing. And it can be a very cathartic. There can often be tears involved afterwards, mm-hmm. like going to pelvic floor PT. That's mm-hmm. a lot of what they do there is they work yeah. on trigger points is what they're mm-hmm. called. And yeah, so continue. But isn't it fascinating? Yeah. Like and literally think- you were able to do it. Yeah. 
And then we take it to that third point too. It's it's that biopsychosocial. It is a three point because biology, we I hadn't ever felt that muscle specifically that needed to be released. And then psycho, we connected it to the brain and triggered it. And now we have that neural pathway. And then social, it was completely and totally triggered by my past trauma relationship wise. Three points. Boom, 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 boom. Um, <laughs> Look at us as amazing, wise humans, right? I. Yeah. <sighs> There's nothing wrong with us. Mm-mm. It's most often what happened to us or what education were we not exposed to? Yeah. What do we not yet know? Mm. Not what's wrong with me? I think there is so often this misunderstanding that sex is natural. Sex is what mm. makes babies in this world. And so we should just be able to do it. And for 10 years, I worked with pregnant and postpartum people and worked with so many people who were feeding babies from their bodies. Yeah. and worked with so many people's nipples and breasts and saw so many tears over why can't I do this? This is supposed to be natural. We don't live in cultures anymore where we're all naked and sharing and talking and all these types of things. We live these very isolatory lives where then also where these like people get partnered and then are isolated, right? We can't tell anybody our problems. We can't talk about sex. That's so taboo, which... Yeah, there, it is so often a biopsychosocial, the wisdom of the body that is protecting it. And yeah, fuck the myth that sex is just supposed to be natural and yeah. effortless, especially when so many people have sexual harm yeah. in their stories. Mm-hmm. So many. And even if it's not physical sexual harm, the mental sexual harm from purity culture, from abusive childhood, from emotional abuse. Like there are so many ways in which sex does not seem natural to a lot of people. How many times has the phrase good girls keep their legs closed, right? I have so many clients who in sessions, instead of sitting, I'm like sitting crisscross applesauce right now, y'all, and my legs are like spread and open, Mm -hmm. their whole bodies will be like this Mm -hmm. in sessions, right? I can feel myself go to that place. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I am typically, so I've taught myself to sit like a man, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. sit like a man. But when I get vulnerable, I feel myself curl in. Fetal position, right? Like most protective position. Yeah. But when we take a minute, and I would encourage any audience member, just take a minute, write down all the phrases. If you are a vulva owner, sit there and write out any phrase you can remember about keeping your legs closed or together Mm -hmm. or out or about danger or sex negative beliefs. Just a little. I bet you can rattle off at least five to ten. And think about if they are open right? Types of phraseology or this like protective closed, yeah, like slut shaming Mm -hmm. phraseology. They mean something. Mm -hmm. And so yes, even if it's not sexual harm in that you were, your body was assaulted, your mind might be be assaulted. Mm -hmm. Sorry, continue. Mm -hmm. You were talking about your own antidotes and then I was kind of like derailed. No, I think that was a great time to derail now let's re-rail okay. um <laughs> let's rail let's rail baby go um i have quite a few friends who have also mm-hmm. struggled with dyspareunia and the one that really sticks out to me is a girl who never struggled with pain with intercourse she had had orgasms before she had um had 
like hand stuff i don't know how how do we talk about that how, what are some positive terms for hand stuff oh you mean like digital stimulation like manual stimulation yeah. like fingering and things yeah, like that and it was and it was enjoyable to uh-huh. them clitoral okay. yep. pleasure yep. just not penis and vagina yeah i always say manual stimulation okay but, and i don't mean like as opposed to like <laughs> automatic yeah <laughs> no this bad boy has shifts <laughs> I mean, like manual and like that's what we call like our digits. Yes. Thank you for (laughs) Holland's Latin references all the time. Thank you to Spanish for. (laughs) Really great. Um, Yes. That I manual stimulation. Yeah. So she had had like she had been fingered. She had had her Mm -hmm. clit played with and all these things. But penis and vagina sex had not happened until she. Which is totally normal, by the way. Okay. Oh, yeah. Totally fine. Um, and then she was assaulted, um, and it was very difficult for her. I, it was just not a great time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that was when the dyspareunia began and she has probably one of, she has a very difficult case Mm -hmm. with vaginismus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She has still yet to be able to have penile intercourse. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I mean, it's so many levels to it. And like working with um, a pelvic floor therapist, working with a sex therapist, like doing everything possible, trying CBD drops, doing all these things. But it's just difficult. Before we go any further, let's be really clear that penis and vagina intercourse is only one form of sex. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are so many other beautiful things to do. Mm-hmm. And we can always take time and space to grieve. Something that we truly would love to have, right? So there's this beautiful paradox of can a person with a vulva have a beautiful sex life and be multi-orgasmic and have all these lovely things? Yeah, right? Because the vulva does not need penetration. Mm-hmm. And when someone is partnered to somebody with a penis, um, it can be a thing that is longed for mm-hmm. and deserves to be desired and wanted and craved and worked towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. so, so sorry. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk about different things from my vantage point that mm-hmm. I've worked with different clients on. Um, yeah, so many, sex like for you, clients with vaginismus or dyspareunia. And... What I want everyone in this audience, this podcast audience to know is that it's so many different factors. Um, Sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it's um, being in a family where one sibling was sexually open and like very loud and they wanted to be opposite than that, right? Mm. Like I will never do that, Mm -hmm. right? So sometimes it's this little mental click that clicked over. Um, Oftentimes, it is purity culture influences. And we haven't done a full-blown purity culture episode, which we probably should. Um, But that is uh, any religious fundamentalism that's going to focus a lot on sex-negative teachings or remaining abstinent until marriage, and that sex is penis and vagina intercourse that happens in the context of marriage and marriage alone. Yeah. Um, and some purity cultures are more crazy than others. For instance, I like, wasn't even allowed to hold hands. Um, some, yeah, it's a long story, but it's horrible. So What happened to the presbies up here? I know we were crazy. (laughs) Not everyone. Yeah. It it was like, 
uber conservative in my little pocket, my little small group. But yeah, so some purity cultures are that. Some purity cultures are everything except a penis and vagina is totally fine. Um, then in a lot of our school systems in the United States, we are still teaching abstinence only until marriage education, which is very sex negative and very fear-based and very, mm. this is how not to get pregnant. And these are the STIs you will get and you will die. Mm. And I wish I could paint it in more positive light, but it's not. No, that's literally it. I did a research paper on it. There are only 13 states in yep. the United States of America that mandate 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 scientifically accurate sex education 13 of 50 that is less than 25 percent of our states yeah we -hmm. should do a whole podcast just on that and then a whole another one just on purity cultures yeah we will it's coming you're gonna see the angry side of holland yeah (laughs) because it's just it's abysmal yeah so we won't go into it on this one so it can come from that. It can absolutely come from sexual assault, 100%. Mm-hmm. And sexual assault, let's be very clear, could be gynecological assault. Mm-hmm. It could be 100% partnered assault. It mm-hmm. could be fear. It could be, sure, penetrative assault, but it also could be a context in which you lived where you were fearful of your body. Mm. So many things. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just I want everyone to know that it's not – Oh, well, if I hadn't been raised fill in the blank. Yeah. Right? There are so many different reasons, again, yeah. from that psycho perspective, that can contribute to the vaginismus and yeah. dyspareunia, like, symptoms. There is no one source. No. There is no, like, this right here. Like <laughs> No. I And again, that's the... I want that phrase, what is wrong with me, to be, like, thrown out the window. Yeah, the concept that there's one thing that led to this or that something is wrong with us Mm. no no um we need to start with um what happened to me or what have i not had access to and then bathe ourselves in self-compassion bathe Mm. ourselves there and then start to find resources Mm -hmm. to to surround ourselves with and i think that is a yeah much better place to begin yeah i think a perspective shift it's one mm. of the most important things you can do in any situation. But in this situation, it can make such a big impact on the way that you approach yourself and the healing that you're about to go through. Yeah. Because I think even attempting healing things like dyspareunia and vaginismus with a perspective of what is wrong with me will not be nearly as healing as it can be for mm-hmm. you if you are not open to to loving yourself in the way that you deserve to be loved. I love that you said open, right? Because the vagina is meant to be an open receptacle. Mm -hmm. But the vagina, she is smart. She's brilliant. She's so brilliant. She is a self-regulating oven. Yeah. So she knows what she wants and what she doesn't want. Mm -hmm. And I love that perspective shift because I want... Mm. The, the vagina would be seen as this wise, wise, wise vessel mm. who lets in the things that she wants to let in yeah. and does not let in the other stuff. Yeah. Don't get mad at her for just mm-hmm. trying to protect, protect mm-hmm. you. Right. And then the second step, right, before even education starts, I think for me a beautiful thing to do is start to see what is – 
filling our mind? What mm. are we being surrounded with, mm-hmm. right? Um, I love the website OMG Yes yeah. for videos of people with vulvas who are exploring pleasure. And there there are no penises on this site. Just, uh, yeah, we'll put the link in our notes. Mm-hmm. But I love it for starting to fill the mind with all of these people who have discovered things that are uniquely pleasurable to their clitorises and vulvas and vaginas through accidental experimentation with themselves or with a partner. Mm -hmm. And all of the stories are these little vignettes that are so beautiful and healing. And I would love for, before anybody else starts to fill their mind with new information, right, that we go back to the body, right, this biopsychosocial. What what is even filling our minds? What do we think about sex, mm. right? And are all of the people we follow on Instagram and all of the people we fo- following on Facebook, are they all sex negative? Mm. Well, we might need to change what is coming into this information bank first before yeah. we start trying to make this new education align with something yeah. that has not served us. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a million times, maybe not a million specifically, but it's going to be much harder to approach healing vaginismus and dyspareunia with a mindset, a positive and open mindset when you're surrounded with people who are negative about sex in general, because those negative sex beliefs will seep into your life. I love Dr. Larry Mintz's book, Becoming Clitorate. Mm -hmm. In it, there are illustrations of vulvas. There are pictures of vulvas. There are Instagram accounts called like Vulva Gallery. There is Mm -hmm. so much. Betty Dodson has beautiful drawings and photos on her website of different vulvas. They're starting to fill our minds and our hearts and our eyeballs Mm -hmm. with pictures of and ideas of what different vulvas could look like, what Mm -hmm. different vaginal openings could look like. I had a client tell me the other day, I just never realized that my vaginal opening was lower and that just sits lower in Mm -hmm. my vulva, which y'all go look at a vulva gallery. You will see all these different things, right? Clitoral shafts that hang down longer, right? Clits that are way up at the top. Uh Uh-huh. Completely different labia minora majora, different mons pubises. It's so beautiful. Will you point out? Yeah, yeah. We'll do a little factual thing. Here's the vulva puppet again. It's hard on this vulva hose. So this is technically representing the outer labia, this like darker purple, and this lighter purple is is like representing the inner labia. Um, A fun fact, the inner labia are made up of the same tissue as like the head of the penis. And so they are really delicious to be pulled and played with. Um, but yeah, but this would be the clitoral hood. And again, like Holland was saying, some folks, it there's a much longer mm-hmm. clitoral hood where then the head of the clitoris is falling down much lower. And then some folks, it's much higher. Some people don't even have a clitoral yes. hood. Some it's just like pulled back yeah. and their clit is just always open and exposed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will have sex with a partner who's like, well, this worked with the last person I'm with a vulva that I was with. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, where was their clit? Yeah. Because I'd be interested. Did you look? Uh-huh. <laughs> did you know or did it just come naturally yeah. and easily? So then what's represented on this vulva puppet, if you wanted to zoom the screen in, is this would be representing the urethra, right? Mm-hmm. We pee out of a different hole than our vaginas are located in. And then in this vulva puppet... 
um, this little ribbony thing is representing kind of the G spot or the urethral sponge, which is just right inside if you were to loop your fingers into your own vagina. Um, and it's a very pleasurable space. And so I like to show a lot of my clients that we don't need deep penetration. 84% of people say that the most delicious penetration, Helen just did this, is like right here. Like literally your first knuckle. Yeah. First knuckle, all the sensitivity in most vaginas. Some people get a lot of sensitivity throughout their whole vaginas. But I, I have literally had clients come to me because they say, I'm broken. I can't feel anything in my vagina. Mm. Y'all, our vaginas are not meant to feel all the things. All of our goodness is out here and about right in here. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can get really delicious stimulation up at the cervix, but that takes like so many like so long of arousal and such good loving partnership or the right type of wand or your right fingers to like stimulate the cervix. Um, yeah, but the vagina, it, it's, it's like muscular. It does all this cool stuff. But no, the clitoris is where it's at and that lies in here. Um, yeah, what did I leave out? Did I leave out anything? No, I the think vagina, you got it all. The vaginal opening. Ooh, I love the perineum. The perineum's like yeah. right down here. It's going to go down to your booty hole, your asshole down here. Um, but the perineum can be delicious to be pressed on as well. Mm -hmm. And again, but right here, <laughs> back to our original point of penetrative intercourse for people with vulvas is not like the woohoo. It's not it's the bee's not. knees. No. <laughs> I want you to have it if yeah. you want it. But there's so much fun stuff you to do. You can do so many other things. Yeah. Um, kind of looping back toward mm -hmm. what we were saying earlier about perspective um, and looking at vulvas and vaginas and things like that. I think a really important question that I began asking myself probably once I got to college was, why do we feel this way about vulvas and vaginas? I don't think we as a society are as revolted by the idea of a penis as we are the idea of a vulva. Think of how many times you see a penis in R-rated movies rather than seeing a vulva. Yep. Because my answer is I've never, ever mm -hmm. seen a vulva in an R-rated movie. It's rated R because you see boobs and some guy's penis. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do mm -hmm. we think these things are not worthy of love and adoration? Because... I think one of the most important perspective shifts I ever gifted myself with was my vulva is beautiful. Mm -hmm. My period blood is beautiful. My discharge is beautiful. These are parts of a cycle that makes me a woman. This is part of what connects me to this earth, to this mm -hmm. moon, to, to who I am as a person. And that deserves to be loved and appreciated and celebrated in every way. So I think the first step in me making that shift was asking why. Mm -hmm. Because if you can genuinely think of a reason that you that you don't, maybe take a look at it. Mm -hmm. Take a look at why you have that reason, mm -hmm. why you feel so sticky in that. Because you do deserve to be loved. Your vulva deserves to be adored. Yeah. Andrea Marie Brown has that poem in her Pleasure Activism book that we mm -hmm. all love so much, right? Of be our first lover to ourselves. Yeah. And I think our own views of our own vulvas matter so much. Yeah. And y'all, if you have never taken a mirror and looked at yours, I highly encourage you to do so. Mm -hmm. If that's too much, I understand. Um, first step then is I want you to like Google vulva coloring page. Mm -hmm. And I want you to look at a black and white drawing. If that feels like a little bit too much or you would like a slightly different angle, um, go onto Pinterest and start to look at like sea creatures mm. um, and start to see how many, look at a rose, look at a seashell, look at all of these different things in nature mm -hmm. that look so much like a vulva mm -hmm. that we would say literally that's beautiful. Yep. 
we would, our breath would be taken back by a conch shell. Mm-hmm. And it looks so much like a vulva, right? I, please, please, please. And then, yes, start to look at your vulva. Start to see if you can say anything nice about it. Mm-hmm. Step one, right? Yeah. Before you're in pelvic floor physical therapy and can't even look at your own body, yeah. right? Before you're sticking dilators in it, sit there and admire, yeah. love, adore. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dr. Lauren Mintz, Betty Dodson, we, yeah, name it, right? Think of a fun name. Think of fun names for different pieces. Um, I, yeah, from funny story about my own, <laughs> I, I guess with my partner, we wanted a cute name. A friend of mine had named hers years ago. I don't even know how this came up, but I live in Virginia and in Virginia, many people name their firstborn daughter Virginia. I, I don't actually know the history of this. Maybe okay. this can be a fun fact in the show notes, or maybe somebody can tell us why this happens. I don't know, but people do. But then they often shorten it. So you'll meet lots of people here in Virginia who are Ginnies. Yeah. Or VA or yeah. So I said to my partner, Trey, in a text message, I think when we were long distance. How about Virginia or Ginny for short? But he... To name your vagina? Uh-huh. Because that's cute. Because, yeah. I don't know, I live in Virginia. And yeah, whatever. So he <laughs> thought I had written, though, because I did Ginny, not with a J, like not Jenny. Mm-hmm. I did Ginny. So he thought I was saying Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> so from that day forth... It's just been Guinea <laughs> forever. Forever she's been Guinea. And oh yeah, if I like do a fun pubic hair trim, we'll be like, doesn't Guinea look so cute today? And forever. Oh, Guinea. Guinea. Guinea's been the name and it's so cute. Sometimes Guinea will also, also reference my menstrual blood. So sometimes when I'm about to start my period, Trey will be like, ooh, is Guinea on her way? So it's interchangeable. Yeah. I don't know if that is she's really all- helpful. All-purposeful being, uh-huh. Guinea. Yeah, Guinea's omniscient and omnipresent. Better than God. She is God. <laughs> um, yeah, but it it's so helpful. Yeah, and speak kindly. Another thing I would encourage all our audience to do is sit there and think of, if we were also thinking of sex-negative phrases that have been thrown at us, I would also think of maybe some unkind things you've said about your vulva. Mm-hmm. in the past or thought about your vulva mm-hmm. um yeah back to your statement of discharge is beautiful menstrual blood is beautiful do you resent your period every month do i no i mean i would want our audience to ask this oh. right <laughs> like these this is all interconnected yeah oh, if absolutely. we don't like the bodies and the vulvas and the vaginas yeah. that our menstrual blood flows from we have to undo that work that is it's no one else's to do except ours yeah I think we took that on a tangent again. But yeah, watch what's really coming into your mind because that that's a great place to start. Right? It really what is. What views do we have of these vulvas and vaginas that are so, oh, I was going to say so tight. Would you take mm. that one? Yeah, because that's also where a lot of this is coming from, this idea of a tight pussy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I fully and totally remember guys wishing and wanting for that verbally in high school. And I remember thinking that I was just so smart because I knew how to control my vaginal walls. And I was like, oh, well, I can just Mm -hmm. 
squeeze. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that I was perpetuating a problem that had already begun Mm -hmm. from the sexual trauma that I had endured my first year of high school. Mm -hmm. And I was just allowing myself to continue and perpetuate that by thinking, oh, let me just (laughs) make it tight. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Until three years later when I found out that I had just perpetuated dyspareunia. Y'all, this whole tight pussy thing and this whole, like, multiple sexual partners is going to loosen your vaginal walls and all. This is all just such bullshit that is phallocentric. It Mm -hmm. is all centered on the pleasure of the penis, not on the pleasure of the person with the Mm -hmm. vagina. And it needs to, like, be burning in hell. Yep. It is such damaging verbiage. Yep. And any loving partner with a penis is going to know that this is this is so backwards. Like mm-hmm. this is this is harmful rhetoric mm-hmm. and not how the vagina or the vaginal walls or the pelvic floor are meant to function. And if you no, no. It's so so messed up. There we go. There's another one of the phrases that just contribute to all yep. of this. Right? Because we've got all these people working on their pelvic floor. So many of us have done Kegels. I bet all of us, if mm. you hear the word Kegel and or Kegel and you're yep. gonna uh, right, I'm saying it now, everybody does it instinctually yep. right we all like pull up that pelvic floor it's not that those exercises are not bad are bad it, it, too many of them bad mm-hmm. done poorly bad right done in this like squeeze against the penis thing ah! bad right so many things that we need to undo yeah we really truly need to undo um i don't know why they've been perpetuated for this long it makes me upset i think because non-phallocentric pleasure is so still still like far down the totem pole Mm -hmm. right like i think patriarchy Mm -hmm. i I think uh, i don't know this view of our pleasure being selfish Mm. i think the time it takes Mm. right to truly lubricate a vulva with its natural Mm -hmm. lubrication the foreplay that our bodies love right the like the titillation you said i love this word she uses the word titillate all the time all the time it's a good word (laughs) it's a great word i love it it just reminds me of you because you say it so much it's a good word anyway back to the vulva puppet there is so much that can be done to stimulate the vaginal opening for a long time yeah. to let it say, I want, I want, I want. And we don't take the time to do it. We don't. Um, when you said phallocentric sex, mm-hmm. this like image popped into my mind. And I think I finally have kind of like differentiated phallocentric and not uh-huh. sex. And, like, this image of just, like, remember Roman women and how they would just idolize just this curvy, mm-hmm. soft, soft tummies, big mm-hmm. thighs, just, like, comfort in yeah. women. I almost just imagine, like, this scene of just women loving themselves and loving each other. When I think of non phallocentric I think of soft and caring and kind and long like extended periods of time of just like self-love and self-appreciation and appreciating other women's bodies rather than taking them down. And I just see that as such a beautiful scene. And then my brain kind of does the switch to like, what does phallocentric sex look like? Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. 
big fan. We love the phallic. But the first thing that comes to mind is like hard and fast and like rough and like just very centered toward orgasm. Mm -hmm. Very, very Mm -hmm. orgasm centered and goal oriented and then almost just like emotionally disconnected. And so I think that those two different and completely separate Mm. scenes just needed to be defined for me. And I think it's so cool that I love both of them (laughs) because I really do. I like, I love men. Men are great. (laughs) Well, and I really think, and this could be a whole nother episode, that men, people with penises love non-phallocentric sex, right? Mm -hmm. This whole concept of oceanality and the devouring vagina is something I teach on all the time. And that's where the vagina takes in what she wants. Mm -hmm. And there has yet to be... (laughs) A couple I've taught this modality to where the person with the phallic with the penis did not love this. Okay, like this is not meaning that the penis doesn't get pleasure. It's just mm-hmm. meaning, yeah, we're re we're changing the narrative yeah. around this. We really truly are. That made me think about, and then we can wrap up kind of with this, that, you know, if you are treating it, if you found this episode because you struggle with dyspareunia or you have gotten a vaginismus diagnosis, and you're like, well, wait, how could all of this you know, kind of combine into some tangibles for me. I would love to see you find a film, find some artwork mm-hmm. that is exactly what Holland was just referencing. Okay, find these bodies mm-hmm. that are luscious and curvy and sensual. Get that in your mind. Then find a mirror, stand up mirror, whatever. Get comfy. Wear something so soft and luscious on your body and let your legs fall open. Mm-hmm. And as you work with your dilators, imagine that you are this goddess that Collins yeah. was just describing. Put on some badass Roman music. Yes. Or whatever music right? makes or you be feel in the bathtub and pretend you're at the yeah. Roman baths. Some or candles. I am serious. Do not make this medical, performance, no. goal-oriented, gotta get this penis inside me. No. Make this. How does my body open? What? What? How could I love this more? How could I tell her that she's safe and make this luscious experimental moment celebratory of my non-phallic beauty? Yeah. Yeah. Titillate all your senses. (laughs) Titillate them. Listen, titillate Put in some lavender Epsom salts if you're doing a bath or a lavender candle. Put some candles on around you. Turn Mm -hmm. off the lights. Um, Play some music. Touch your arms. Like this, just be soft, be gentle, mm-hmm. be loving. One of the exercises we did in sex school was putting our hands on our body, like starting with our elbows and being like, I love you, elbows. Then going to like our belly, mm-hmm. being like, I love you, belly. Mm-hmm. Then going to breasts, I love you, breasts. Right? All these pieces, but right? Right butt cheek, I love mm-hmm. you, butt cheek. Right? All of the places on us, maybe, that we are not very kind to. Yeah. Um, yeah, do an exercise like that, Mm -hmm. right? Saying, I love you. Come back to me. Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. Mm. I think that so often we get these diagnoses, dyspareunia, vaginismus, and then we feel like we are not connected to our own body, right? Mm -hmm. This allyship is now done. Yeah. I would really encourage listeners and viewers to become the greatest ally to their body. Yeah. Right? Become that most trustworthy protector Mm. of your own vagina. 
And so that is, it is opening. You are the one saying, hey, I got you. Yeah. I got you. And become that first sex educator. Become that first lover to your own vulva, to your own pussy, to your own clit, to your own cunt. Become that so that you can say to her or to it or to them, hey, I'm going to choose. We're going to choose together who we let in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Welcome her back. Don't try to pull mm-hmm. her in unwillingly. Mm-hmm. And ask her what she wants. Yeah. Right? Talk it, to her. In your Roman bath. What's she interested in? Right? Yeah. What's titillating to her? What's titillating? What sounds really yummy? And then chase those things. Mm. Beautiful. Thanks for coming to this episode with sex, of Sex Ed for You with Lauren and Holland, where research meets reality. <laughs> we love this. We love sex. We love dating. We love relationships. Um, we love the nerdy research. And yeah, we we know though that there's often a disconnect mm-hmm. between these two and that's what we hope that this podcast bridges the gap between if you want to know more you can go to sexedforyou.com um if you want to work with sex ed for you you can go to sexedforyou.com forward slash free consult um and request a consult to just see what kind of comprehensive sex ed we provide again that world health organization statement that sexual health is fundamental to the well-being of individuals families and communities is something we stand firmly on and you don't need to feel like you're alone um, there are multitudes of resources out there for dyspronia and vaginismus specifically. Um, we will link everything we talked about today in the captions and in the notes. And let us know if you have any more questions. You can always email admin at sexedforyou.com. Remember, these are just opinions. This is Holland and I's like, view and angle on this stuff. Um, we encourage you to do your own research and form your own opinions. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.